Hi, I'm Therese Snell, welcoming you to our Delmi podcast, Global Operations on the Go. Today, we continue our series on the transformation journey with our guests, Eric Green, Vice President at Delmia, and Fred Thomas, Strategic Business Development and Marketing Director at Delmia. Let's listen in. Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm well, Fred. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for joining me today for this discussion. So let's get right into our second research note, talking about the maturity transformation model. Um, what is the maturity transformation model? That's a good question. And what we found when we started the research note series, there are different elements of manufacturing transformation or digital transformation or industrial transformation, depending on whatever term you want to use. Our research indicated there are different elements associated with it. So in research note one, we spoke about the seven components of transformation. Another category that fits within the transformation series that needs to be addressed is maturity models. And so in research note two, we took on the topic of the maturity models and tried to categorize the maturity models that reflected most organizations' state with regard to their business, the business processes, and their structure. And that's what we're really trying to accomplish and describe and discuss in Research Note 2 is the effect and relationship between maturity models and transformation. Okay, good. Um, you know, in reviewing the Research Note, I noticed that there is a passage in there that says it's a self-assessment model. Is this really something that a company can do for itself, or do they really need an army of consultants to move this ball forward? You know, in self-assessing your maturity, we believe that it can be done fairly straightforward by looking at your IT processes, uh, your OT processes, your operational technology processes, and also looking at the state of the organization. Um, obviously, there are firms that do this type of work, and that obviously enhances the level of analysis and the depth, but it's not required. And at the end of the day, it's really focusing on getting a gauge where the organization is at given their maturity so they can then begin to recognize how to leverage those seven components that are referenced in Research Note 1 with their maturity to pinpoint where and how to start or evolve their transformation. But it's always good to have more help, but at the end of the day, you know, companies may not have the, uh, the capital or, or the financial wherewithal or ability to spend a significant amount of money on a consulting exercise or project to get that level of analysis. The other thing that those analysis typically provide is a significant amount of detail, uh, which can be good. But at the end of the day, it's not necessarily required. Okay. Um. We're not going to go through every one of them, but I thought it was important. Let's just review the four stages of maturity that are outlined in the document. Like I said, we're only going to really focus on the first one today, but I thought the audience would be interested in knowing uh, what all four are. Sure. We put them in four categories. We think they're logical groupings. By all means, you could make the debate and argument that you know, one category could be expanded or reduced in size, or, or you could move the different elements around. But we categorize them into four. Uh, first one is institutionalized processes. And today we'll go into some detail about what we mean by institutionalized processes. The second one, or the second stage of maturity, is automated processes with the core systems coordinated. 
So while we won't go into it, I'll just give you a quick example and summary. Where we see this today with most organizations is they've done some of this standardization and institutionalization of the processes. And they've been able to automate these processes with core systems. And historically, that's been done with things like ERP. Um, in the manufacturing world, it's the investments in manufacturing operations management systems or in supply chain systems that allow for processes to be automated and coordinated on top of those institutionalized business processes. The third stage that we see is what we call the compressed processes with systems tightly linked uh, to each other. So this is really where you're getting to what we call a process compression, which is essentially the acceleration of the data and the business decisions that take place with these processes and tools. And that requires a level of interaction that um, you know, takes time and focus to make happen. And then last, the fourth stage that we see is uh, optimized processes. And that one's fairly self-explanatory. Um, but it's, it's more than just the optimized processes. It's actually the closed loopability of that optimized process with um, the feedback. And we, we talk and, and go into detail to end research note two for each one of these four stages. But as you highlighted, you know, we want to focus on research note two and stage one uh, initially to give the uh, audience a feel for what we're talking about with institutionalized processes and, and how that looks and where that starts. Yeah, so let's move into it right now. Um, when we talk about institutionalized processes, what are we really talking about? Are we talking about process memorization, or is it something beyond that? I think it's beyond memorization. It's actually the formal adoption of a standard practice, and that is such a baseline. Uh, what we find in, and what's also reflected in different uh, analyst research that we've included in the research notes um, between you know, different analyst firms like LNS Research or Gartner, um, is that you know, they've done studies on process and process maturity, you know, through that work plus the work that we've done with our own customers, we recognize that when you do have standardized processes and practices and you've institutionalized them, you get a business benefit from that. Whether that business benefit is done at a very tactical level, like measuring overall equipment effectiveness, or what's called OEE, or if it's something a little bit larger and a more cross-functional business process like new product introduction, uh, seeing acceleration and improvement in product introduction as another business process. So it's really the standardization of a process and the data associated with that process in a manner that it's institutionalized. And we're talking about institutionalization within the organization. So it's not just within a factory, but it's across all the plants or all the different entities that might consume that business process. Based on what you just said, and you and I have worked with a lot of old line companies, uh, both in North America and around the world through the years. Um, but based on what you just said, um, tribal knowledge then couldn't really be considered process institutionalization, could it? Well, tribal knowledge is interesting. You know, every company has it. And it's, the, it's in many companies, it is the, the DNA, it's the workers you know, knowledge and know-how, and that helps, 
you know, drive uh, the organization or those individuals in those departments uh, and groups, um, you know, continue their success. But the problem with tribal knowledge is that it's just that. It's, it's very difficult to pass on or disseminate and maintain. And so ideally an institutionalized process includes that tribal knowledge and reflects that tribal knowledge that has been gleaned from people who have been in, in roles that support those business processes or in those departments you know, for the last 5, 10, 20 years, however long it's been. You and I both know that in some industries you know, there are people that with their tribal knowledge you know, they have 20 to 30 years of expertise in a given topic in a factory or in a department, whether it be quality or material management or production line activities. The key is how do you encapsulate their knowledge in the context of that business process that you're institutionalizing such that the process can not only be standard for that factory, but can be shared across those factories uh, or departments or even the supply chain, depending on what the business process is, in a manner that benefits the entire enterprise. Yeah, it's kind of funny, and I think you'll remember this. We worked with one company that had a, I don't know, 38-year employee, and he kept wanting to retire. The company couldn't let him because he's literally the only guy that knew how to keep everything in the plant running. Um, it's not a situation you want to be in. So then really process standardization always involves digitalization. It does. You have to document the process, um, and that can be documented through lean exercises uh, where you do your value stream mapping, um, but at the same time, you also want to you know, document it digitally because there's, uh, as we all know, the, the process consumes data, you know, whether it's a production line that's uh, consuming material and tracking the pace of production and with attack time, or for something at a broader level where you're doing material replenishment and a pull-based inventory replenishment system, there's data that's associated with that. So you do want to digitalize it and capture that information in a way that can all not only be standardized, but shared across the different entities, you know, whether it's a factory or, like I said earlier, you know, different supply chain stakeholders. Okay. Have you seen, do we have, I'll say, supporting data or analysis that indicates uh, there's a real benefit to process standardization? We have. If you look at many of the implementations we've done for customers combined with industry research, you know, there are you know, documented statistics that reflect the benefits of institutionalized processes. Um, I can think of one example right off the top of my head where working with one customer that you know, the the ability to standardize and institutionalize a process that they had with, across their network of factories and being able to share that with their other factories led to a, a significant improvement in productivity and quality that was being captured at one plant, but now because they've institutionalized it, they're able to reap the same benefits across their network of factories. And when you're a company that has 20, 40, or even upwards, and some of our customers have over 100 factories, you know, that benefit can be significant. Yeah, that number really grows quickly in a situation like that. It does. So we talked about self-assessment. What questions should a company be asking themselves to really understand their level of maturity in 
you know, say stage one? Uh, you, in the research now, we did provide some introductory questions. Uh, simple one, and the first one is, are most of your key processes documented? It's amazing to me, even in talking to customers that we work with today, that you know, the answer to that simple question is not always a yes. Um, even with the advancements of all the technology, the advancements with automation, and the advancements with the new manufacturing techniques, that many customers don't have good documented processes within their supply chain or within you know, their factory. Uh, so that's the first question. A couple other questions that we have that are in the research notes, we do provide these questions within the research notes um, across all the different stages, and we also have tools and, and teams that can help our customers address these questions. Uh, but the second question we have in the research note on this particular topic is, you know, are those processes followed across the organization? So meaning maybe you do have your processes documented, but are those processes truly repeated and consistent across the organization, whether that's across the continent, you know, factories between, let's say, North America and Europe and Asia, or between departments, quality, manufacturing engineering group, or the production group? And these are the type of questions you have to look at to really understand you know, what level of maturity you're at. And then the third question we have in the research note that I'll share with everyone is, you know, are most of your manufacturing quality processes executed uniformly across the sites? So for example, if you have a quality inspection process or quality testing process in a factory in Warren, Michigan, for example, is that same quality process conducted at the same level of uniformity and consistency in Shanghai, China. And so these are all things that allow you to look and assess not only are your processes documented, but are they institutionalized across the organization and are they followed consistently? That makes a lot of sense. Um, Eric, I want to thank you for joining me today for this discussion. Glad to be here. You know, this is a topic we firmly believe that as we look at working and continue to work with our customers that with the transformation series is something that they'll all benefit from. And we continue to focus and invest in, in some of our research here as we document and, and put together more research notes and there'll be more coming. Uh, we already have research note three done and we're starting the process on research note four. So we believe this provides a lot of value to our customers and and we want to continue to share this insight that will ultimately help them transform their businesses and support them in their business journey. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Eric and Fred, for continuing the conversation on the transformation journey. See the link displayed on the screen or check out our Dummy blog or YouTube channel to download your copy today. This is Therese Snow, and thank you for listening to Globe Operations on the Go.